Hey everybody, I'm your host, Dr. Ann James from DrAnnJames.com, and I present to you the Freedom Battle Buddies of Color podcast. This podcast highlights and gives voice to the remarkable experiences and expertise of women of color who are currently serving or have served in any branch of the military. I believe that these inspirational stories of triumph and trial will help other women in the military and veteran communities successfully navigate their own freedom journey. You see, My definition of freedom is when you embrace the mindset of doing what you want, when you want, without ever worrying about money. Listen in as we chatted up about everything freedom. I'm talking about financial freedom, lifestyle freedom, and everything in between. Before we jump in, go ahead and hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss a future episode. So with that, let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast and thank you for listening in. As I mentioned, I'm going to be sharing my freedom journey with you during this episode. So with that, let's get into it. Well, some of you may know, but a lot of you may not know, my actual first name is Antoinette. I go by Anne because it's just a lot easier. I don't have to worry about people mispronouncing it. So Anne is just a lot easier to roll off the tongue instead of Antoinette. Yes, I've heard as I was growing up, Marie Antoinette, a lot of time, got her head cut off, uh, that type stuff. But I go by Anne. Right after high school, I decided to join the military. I grew up in a military family. My stepfather, he was Army, so I knew that I wasn't going to go Army. I knew that I did not want to be sleeping in a field. I didn't want to be getting up at five o'clock in the morning running PT. So at the time, my oldest brother, one of my oldest brother had joined the military, actually the Air Force, and he was stationed in Arkansas. So one summer after graduating, I decided to go visit and I just liked what I saw. You know, I just liked going on base and just seeing how they lived and stuff like that. So once I returned back, I decided to um, join the Air Force as well. At the time, we were living in Monterey, California. Actually, I'm born in Georgia. I'm a Georgia peach, but we were living in um, California at the time because, as I said, my stepfather was in the Army. So deciding to go Air Force, my first duty station was Ellsworth, South Dakota. I know, right? Talking about a culture shock. You go from seeing multiple races and just seeing a lot of different things in California to Ellsworth, South Dakota. You guys, I'm not going to even lie. I didn't even know where South Dakota was. I had to look on the map when they said, you know, your first duty station was going to be South Dakota. So I was surprised. I had never been around snow. I had never walked in snow. I had never driven in snow. So all of it was a shock to me. So being stationed in South Dakota, I went in enlisted as an E1 and my career field or my AFSC was personnel. Um, I was had barely turned 18. So as I mentioned, I had just graduated from high school. So Ellsworth, South Dakota, culture shock. Needless to say, I did not like it. So at the time, the Air Force had this thing where you can volunteer to go anywhere in the world, like volunteer to go worldwide. So that's exactly what I did because, you know, I was single. I didn't have any kids. So I wanted to get up out of South Dakota. So I was like, yeah, send me wherever. I did not care. Luckily enough, after only about eight months there, I got orders to Italy. 
San Vito, Italy. Like I said, only eight months there in South Dakota. People was mad. I mean, people had been there for years. And here I come after eight months just with orders and I was leaving. So yeah, I, I got orders to Italy. It was my first time leaving the country. I was excited because that's one of the reasons why I joined the military was to travel and to get money for college. So I was excited and nervous at the same time to go to Italy. So after getting stationed in Italy, once again, I was still Miss Independent, you guys. You know, as you know, the military provides a lot of things for you. You have that stability of your income. They give you a place to live by living in a dorm. At the time, they pay for our food. We had a meal card. So I didn't have anything to worry about. And up to that point, I was very independent. Some of you may have heard of this rap song back in the day, and I might be dating myself, but it went a little something like this. It was Miss I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T. Do you know what that means? I got my own house. I got my own car. Two jobs, work hard. You a bad bra. If you ain't on, sit down. If you ain't on, sit down. Okay, I'm back. Sorry, but that was my jam, y'all. That was my jam. But Miss Independent, you could not tell me nothing. So what that meant is I shopped. I shopped and I traveled and I traveled. I just went all out and I had the credit card bills to prove it, but I didn't care. You know, I had the stability of the, the paycheck. But shortly after arriving to, in Italy, I fell in lust. You heard me right. I said lust. Uh, within two years, I found myself pregnant. Two years later, I found myself divorced. And two years later, I found myself, you know, as a single parent. So all of that whirlwind happened within a short period of time. But, you know, that's how it is sometimes with that military life, right? You get married, you get divorced, you have a baby, that type of stuff. But I never envisioned myself being a single mother. I'm not going to even lie because I was raised by a single mother. So I saw how hard that was. So I never envisioned myself. But Needless to say, there I was. But one thing about the military, as you guys know, is that that small community, I always felt supported, you know, whether it came, came to having babysitters for my daughter um, while I go to work or while I go have some me time. I never felt alone in the sense that I had help, but I was alone because I wasn't near my blood family. But, you know, I had to do um, what I had to do. And that's where that Miss Independent came in. Once again, you know, it was no longer about me. I now had someone that I was responsible for. So fast forward, you know, decided to stay in. But there was a point in my life, you guys, about the eight year mark, you know, between there, I had multiple assignments going, you know, I went to um, back to the stateside, you know, well, from Italy, let me back up from Italy, I went to Germany. And from Germany, I went back to the States and I arrived at Dias Air Force Base. And that was another turning point in my military career, you guys, because I was going to get out. I did not like my supervisor. I did not like the location. Dias was in Abilene, Texas. Not sure if you guys know what that is, like Central Texas. Um, there wasn't much to do for a single black young lady. Um, so I was going to get out and I had about 12 years in by that point. Yeah, I know it's hard to believe getting out with 12 years, but that's how much I didn't like it. But fortunately enough, I had a mentor sit me down and say, hey, Ann, don't make a lifelong decision based off of 
someone else, right? People come and go in the military, people PCS all the time. So don't make a lifelong decision based off of your dislike for this location. You can PCS, you can move, or that person can move. You know, and the truth be told, even though I didn't like where I was at, I was also afraid to get out of the military. Like I said, my daughter, by that time, you know, she was a little bit older, but um, she had also been diagnosed special needs. And I'll get into that a little bit more in another episode, but she had special needs. So I was afraid to get out because I was afraid to lose the stability and the security of the military, the paycheck the health benefits, all of those things that I had gotten used to, now I was thinking about walking away from. But as I mentioned, I was fortunate that someone told me not to do that and I listened and I'm happy that I did. So with that decision deciding to stay in, I figured I might as well make the most of it. So back in the day, around that time frame, the Air Force was doing force shaping or they was trying to get more. I shouldn't say force shaping because that's getting people out, but they was looking for people to become officers. They came out with this special program. So I figured if I'm going to stay in, I might as well make the most of it. And then I did what most people say. I crossed over to the dark side. And what that means is that I was fortunate enough to be able to get out for a year work on my master's degree um, via ROTC, Reserve Officer Training Corps, at the University of Southern Mississippi, excuse me, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So I took that year, got my master, and I came back in as a second lieutenant in the finance field. I was a financial officer. You know, and like I said, the reason why, the main reason why I did that is, hey, if I'm going to stay in, I might as well get the most out of it. Um, I might as well collect that check and get that money. But the biggest reasons is, you guys, I figure as an officer, I would be able to make a bigger difference in the lives of, my, of those underneath me under the enlisted ranks. So I thought, and I did, but it was um, it was different on the other side. You know, a lot of the officers, they're married um, and I was still single. And I was a woman and I was African-American. So, you know, that made a difference. I felt like I had to prove myself a lot of times because, you know, in the officer ranks, they just see the butter bars. But I wasn't your average lieutenant. As I mentioned, those 12 years of enlisted ranks, I made it known that I was prior enlisted. But a friend of mine told me, you know, and you don't have to keep telling people you're enlisted. Let your actions speak for you. And that really stuck with me. You know, and it's so true. You can see the difference between the actions of your average lieutenant straight out of college versus someone that has spent time in the enlisted ranks, especially if it's as much time as I did, 12 years before you switched over. But, you know, nonetheless, um, I was a financial officer. I was stationed at Maxwell. Um, Then from Maxwell, I went to Shaw. And then from Shaw, I had the opportunity to become and apply for and get accepted, I should say, as a ROTC instructor at the University of South Carolina. Go Gamecocks. Oh, man, that was the best assignment. You know, there I was responsible for educating and molding the next generation of military Air Force officers to be able to take my experience, not only as an officer up to that point, because I was a captain by then, but to take my 12 years of experience as an enlisted person and to use that when I was teaching, it just gave me so much joy. And I will always remember um, that assignment. 
And some of you may have heard too, a lot of us go to ROTC or those special duties to get out of the deployment. Well, that was the case for me. Up to that point, you guys, 18 years in the military, I had never deployed. And I was fortunate, never deployed until I was in ROTC. Yep, they hit me. They found me. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I got hit with a deployment to Iraq. And not just a six-month deployment, you guys. It was a year-long deployment. But I knew, hey, my time had came, and I wouldn't get out of it. I wouldn't try to get out of it. But once again, my main concern was my daughter. As I said, my daughter was special needs, so now you're talking about um, I got to leave her for a year. But thankfully enough, my mother um, agreed to move from California to South Carolina to help me help raise my daughter Um, while I deployed. I could have sent her to her father, you know, and I'd be remiss to say me and my daughter's father have a great relationship, you know, now as co-parent. I could have sent her to him, but I didn't want her. I wanted to keep her as stable as possible. She was in high school by then and it was already going to be difficult with me being gone. So I didn't want to uproot her life once again. So that's why I opted for my mother to come and stay with me in South Carolina to help me raise my daughter while I deployed. So I deployed in 2009 to Iraq um, as a financial officer. Yeah. And that was, you know, you guys, that was a trip. That was my first deployment. And I specifically remember we had to we were staying in a temporary area, you know, yes, Air Force, we weren't sleeping in no tents, okay? So don't hate on me, but <laughs> we were staying in a particular area. And I remember laying there that night thinking like, what am I doing here? Why am I in this country? I'm over here fighting for these people and they don't even want us over here. So that ran in my mind for a good little bit, a good month or two while I was there. But, you know, needless to say, you know, I had a job to do and I was there to do just that. And I was fortunate. My first and only deployment was a joint deployment. That was the first time that I was in an environment where it was not just Air Force. It was Army. It was Navy, men and women alike. So that was just awesome. I'm not going to complain about that deployment one bit. It was at a time when Iraq was settling down. It wasn't as hot in comparison to Afghanistan. So I'm not going to complain. We didn't sleep in a tent. Um, I had my own room for a little while there. So I am not going to complain at all. But that deployment also helped to fuel my financial freedom journey. And I'll talk about that in another episode as well. So upon returning from that deployment in Iraq, I made it known to my my supervisor at the time was that, hey, if the military ever came out again with an early retirement, um, I wanted to take it. I was going to take I was ready to go. You know, I never wanted to leave my daughter again. So I made that known. And fortunately enough, sure enough, uh, for those of you that don't know, in order to retire as an officer, because I was prior enlisted, you have to do 10 years of service. Well, I only had eight at the time. So I would have to do two more. I was going to do that. But hey, if something came down the pipe that allowed me to retire early, then I would jump at that as well. And you know what? God answered my prayers then too. So what happened was, you guys, one time, I remember it vividly. 
I was on leave. I had took a day off or whatever have you. And I got a, a phone call from my supervisor. And he was like, Ann, I know, I know, because he know, don't call me while I'm on leave, okay? Unless it's an emergency, I'm taking this day off. Don't be calling me. But <laughs> he called me. He was like, hey, I think you want to check your email. I sent you an email. So I'm like, what? So I checked the email, you guys. And that email was about a program where the Air Force was allowing people to apply I shouldn't say people, but officers, if you had at least eight years in service, you can apply for early retirement. They was waiving that 10-year service commitment. So that was allowing me to retire at eight years. Y'all, y'all knew I jumped at it. I'd lie to you not. That same day I was on leave, I got up, I went into the office, and I put in my application. Yes, I did. My boss was like, you came in for that? I said, yes, I did. <laughs> because it said, you know, applications are on a first come, first serve basis. It can close down at any time. And I didn't want that to happen. So I went in on that day off of leave and I applied for earlier retirement. And sure enough, thank you, Lord, it was eventually approved. So I was a, that is how I was able to retire early with eight years time in, or by the time I retired nine years as an officer versus 10. And yeah, and this all happened so very quickly. I mean, I think this happened, I applied in February or something like that and got notified in April. And with all of the leave that I had, remember, I had just came back from a deployment. So I had all this leave saved up. So with all my leave saved up, I think I started terminal like in June or July with an effective date of retirement of 1 September. That's how quickly it happened. But that just goes to prove in one point that I want to make, you want to always stay ready so you don't have to get ready so that you can take advantages of opportunities like that if you so desire to stay prepared. Just think if I wasn't prepared financially. I couldn't have taken advantage of that. Just think if I wasn't prepared mentally, I would have been afraid of losing all the benefits, right? But because I had been preparing myself up to this point, I was able to take advantage of that early retirement and leave the military on a good note. That allowed me to not have to ever worry about leaving my daughter again for any extended period of time. So if you take, if you don't take anything else out of that is, Make sure that you stay ready so that you don't have to get ready. So yeah, up to that point, you guys, I retired. I took a year off. Uh, once I retired, I was not going to be one of those ones that, oh, you separate and you come back in as a civilian, you know, the next day doing your same job. No, I didn't want to do that. So I decided I'm taking this year off to do whatever I want whenever I want. And people would ask me, oh man, what are you doing now that you retire? Aren't you bored? I'm like, no, I'm doing whatever the hell I want to do pretty much was my standard answer. <laughs> and it felt awesome, you guys. It felt awesome. But it really just goes back to making sure that you're prepared. And not just, like I said, financially. Yeah, financially is important. Now I know that everybody, not everybody is going to retire from the military and that's fine, but you're eventually going to transition. You can't stay in the military forever. 
So while you're in, just make sure that you're preparing one way or another for that inevitable transition. And the sooner that you start preparing, the better. So yeah, you guys, that's pretty much it um, about my freedom journey. On the next episode, I'll pick up to share with you my road to becoming Dr. Ann James, my road to becoming financial freedom battle bellies, and how that led to what I'm doing now with helping my fellow veterans regain control and conquer the battle over their finances. So with that, please plan on listening in to the next episode, and I'll chat at you later. So there you have it, everybody. Thank you for listening to another remarkable episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave a review, and make sure you spread the word about the podcast to your battle buddies. To learn more, please jump over to www.drannjames.com. Thanks again for spending time with us, and be sure to join in next time to the Freedom Battle Buddies of Color podcast.